Good morning. Welcome to Capital City Christian Church. We're really glad that you're here. Now, if behind me, if you'll notice, we have behind the baptistry what we want to convey that we want to be Christ-driven, 24-7 Jesus followers. So we're starting this series daily. Now, you may be thinking, how are we expected to follow Jesus 24 hours and seven days a week? Am I supposed to show Jesus to others daily? How am I supposed to love people when there is so much anger in the world, so much anger in our country, and so much anger even in our community? How do I forgive daily in a world so full of hate and so full of hurt? Have you ever heard someone say, I will never forgive them? You have no idea what they did to me and my family. They hurt us bad. I will never, ever forgive them. God may forgive them, but I never will. Have you ever said it or thought it? Are you thinking it now about someone? Today we're going to discuss where does forgiveness come from and why does it matter? Where does forgiveness come from and why does it matter? Now I'm going to be upfront with you. Forgiveness is the hardest thing I have ever been asked to do by my Lord. It does not come naturally. See, if you mess with someone I love, it's on like Donkey Kong. I have shared with some folks that I have a mean man that lives inside of me. I mean, I don't like him, but I have had moments of anger that has scared me. And according to some who've experienced it, they say it's scary. How do I, as a Jesus follower, subdue that monster within How do I go about my day every day showing grace and love when really what I want to do is open up a can of revenge? Now, I know God says vengeance is mine, but I want God to have them after I'm done with them. After I have torn into them, okay, God, then you can have them. I'm pretty sure, however, that's not how God wants me to live. I'm pretty sure Jesus has something to say about that. Now, I want you all to know that I love Peter of the New Testament. He was one of the original disciples who had a tendency to put his foot in his mouth and act impulsively. Now, maybe I like him because I'm like him. I blurt out things. I would hack off an ear, jump out of a boat for Jesus. But, you know, being impetuous sometimes gets you in trouble. Peter must have thought he was really sounding holy when he asked Jesus in Matthew 18, 21, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now, see, if that's me asking the question, I'm going to be asking that in front of the other disciples so they can see how holy I am. Look at me, I'm willing to forgive up to seven times. See, I can see the shrine in my likeness now. Jesus, super forgiver. 
then Jesus says, I do not say you up to seven times, but up to 70 times 70. Boom, jaw drop. Now, you don't have to be an accountant to understand that's 490 times. I mean, you really expect me to let someone mess over me that much? I ain't no fool, Jesus. You really expect me to do that? And then he extends this explanation in Matthew 18, and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. One servant had a huge debt he could not pay. To satisfy the debt, the king planned to sell the servant, his family, and all his possessions. The servant begged for mercy, and the king took pity and canceled the debt. Now pause here for a moment. Put yourself in that servant's shoes. See, you're on the verge of being sold into slavery. Your wife is going to be sold as well. She's about to become the property of another man. Your kids are going to be pulled out of school, and they're going to be sold into slavery. You'll likely never see them again. And there's not a thing you can do to avoid this. You have no legal recourse. You have been measured in the scales of justice, and you have been found wanting. Now, in today's world, you're saying, James, I'm not going to be sold into slavery. Yeah, but you're going to face some prison time. You're going to be estranged from your family. You may never see them again. Your family will now struggle with poverty. You're guilty. And there are consequences you cannot overcome. And then at the command of a king, your debt is instantly canceled and everything you hold dear is restored to you. Man, wouldn't you go forward singing the praises of your king? Wouldn't you shout from the rooftop that the king is good? Wouldn't you go home and hug your wife, play with the kids, knowing that because of the mercy of the king, you now have a future together. I would like to think we would. But this is not what the man in the story did. Rather, he walked out of the king's presence unchanged. In the next verse, he found someone owed him a small amount of money, and he demanded payment. When that man couldn't pay, the unmerciful servant had him thrown into prison. Later, when the king heard about this, he reversed his merciful judgment and delivered that wicked servant to the tormentors. Most people think that this story about the ungrateful servant is a morality tale. But Jesus said it's a description of the kingdom of heaven. It's the picture of how heaven invades earth. Jesus makes it clear that forgiveness begins with the Lord. Each of us has a debt we can't repay. In his mercy, God paid that debt on our behalf. The debtor's law that stood opposed to us is fully satisfied. Listen to this. Forgiveness begins with God. He forgave us when we wanted nothing to do with him. Romans 5.10 says that while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. And in Romans 5, 8, it says, God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, are you kidding me? God initiated forgiveness when I didn't even ask for it. 
Now listen, that's, this is not how I would do forgiveness, right? If I were in charge, this is how forgiveness goes. You tell me you're sorry. I want to see some acts of contrition. And you better promise me you're never, ever going to do it again. Maybe after a little while, if I see it's genuine, I might forgive you. That's not how God did it. He wipes out the debt before the payment comes due. In the story, the man asks for mercy. Little does the man realize that the king had already made provision for it. See, the problem is not in what the kingdom has done. The problem resides with us. How we respond to this generosity, that's the issue. Listen, none of us could hold up our life as some kind of example of purity. Like the man in the story, we could not repay the debt we owe. I've got nothing that I can offer the king that would satisfy my debt. Then I learn about Jesus paying my debt that I could never repay. Jesus' death on the cross settled the debt issue. He said, it is finished, paid in full, and he died for the whole world. He settled the entire human race debt. How we respond to that, that is the issue. So why does it matter that forgiveness begins with God? Because He's showing us how life is intended to be in his love and in his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Think about it. God wants us to live in such a way, even in the midst of a world full of hate and hurt, he wants us to extend grace that we've been given. I do not forgive because it's a law to live by. I forgive because I'm forgiven. That is what love does. God showed us first. He forgave before we asked for it. You know, at weddings, sometimes you'll hear a minister or someone else read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And among the things love does is this. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. Or as the message translates, love doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Now, how is that possible that I do not track what others have done to me? How can I live in such a way that I do not resent someone hurting me or my family? First, we must remember and we must do it daily. Focus on renewing our mind to the fact that God forgave us of a tremendous debt. We cannot move on to forgive others or even forgive ourselves unless we realize our debt has been wiped out. I've had a lifetime of being a jerk. For over 57 years, I've hurt other people. I've said stupid things. I've sinned against God and others. I'm pretty sure that when I get to heaven, I'm probably going to argue with Paul and say, I'm the chief of all sinners. See, I've not just hurt one person. I've hurt many over my lifetime. I cannot possibly heal all the damage I've done. 
I cannot take away the consequences of the pain that I've caused. And it honestly breaks me if I think about what I've done in my life. How can I move on? Knowing I've hurt or devastated people. See, I'm honestly ashamed of some of my past actions and words. My healing begins when the truth of God's love sinks in. His truth sets me free from that bondage of sin and death. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's sometimes hard to believe, but it's true nonetheless. He paid for all my debt. He paid for all your debt. Now, let me be clear. Let me be honest. If you were a jerk before you decided to become a Jesus follower, those folks you hurt will still hurt by the things you've done and the words you spoke. If you've been a jerk after accepting Jesus, deciding to be a Jesus follower, there are consequences to your words and actions. The people you hurt still hurt. They still remember your words. It doesn't just go away. But something happens in the heart of the Jesus follower that should be different than what happens in the world. Again, if someone has hurt you, it doesn't mean the pain just goes away because you're a Jesus follower. It doesn't mean that you give them a pass for their behavior. But what changes is that hold of hurt and pain begins to ease. The more you concentrate and think about how much God loves you and, hey, he has completely forgiven you, the more you, be, you can begin to extend that grace you've given to others. Tragically, just like the man in this story, many of us just don't get it. Our debt wasn't paid so we could just walk merrily on our way and say heck with everyone else. The debt forgiveness should be such a relief that we want others to experience that same relief. You're sitting next to a person who's hurting now or has been hurt by someone. It is safe to say that every one of us has experienced the pain of betrayal or meanness. Harsh words have landed on all of us. And if we're honest, we have sent a few verbal blows onto others. We've done things we regret. God does not want us to wallow in our regret. I want you to think about that. If you spend all this time wallowing in your regret, you're not spending any time loving anybody else. And if you're wallowing in your regret and you actually invite someone to come to church, you're basically saying, hey, if you want to come to church and be like me and be miserable, that would be awesome. Who's going to come to that? He wants us to take the cleansing that we have experienced through the blood of Christ and make sure we extend it to others. Why? Because he knows that this is the only way we can live in a world of hate and pain and shine his love on earth as it is in heaven. John, one of the other inner circle guys with Jesus, says, you cannot say we love God and hate your brother. I actually heard someone say, oh, I don't hate them. I just won't ever forgive them. Now, I'm sure that person believes that's an option. 
but it's not how God has loved us. That is not how love is designed. Love does not take into account wrongs suffered. Why do we include forgiveness in this daily series? It's because forgiveness is a daily gift that we receive and that we give. Now, have you all ever thought you forgave someone and hate them again the next day? You thought you'd, you thought you'd gotten over it? Have you ever forgiven yourself? And one day while you're minding your own business, those ugly thoughts attack you again and you feel condemned all over again? Daily, I have to remind myself how my debt has been forgiven. I have to renew my mind to accept God's love and forgiveness daily. And some days the battle is harder than others. Some days I see the people I've hurt in the past. And I feel like there still may be a wall there. I've tried to make amends. I've tried to display God's love. But their hurt is real. And they just haven't got past it yet. Daily, I have to keep extending love. And my hope is that one day, that wall will come down and reconciliation will occur. That both of us will celebrate God's love and work between us. I am so encouraged by Paul. The New Testament dude who persecuted the church and then eventually becomes a Jesus follower himself, he says he is transformed daily. It doesn't happen overnight. I don't suddenly become a forgiving saint or a person who never hurts anyone. God's Holy Spirit will transform us daily if we will daily focus on what God has done for us. You will show mercy to others, not because you have to, but because you want to. Because God has been so good to you. The Holy Spirit within you will lead you to pray for your enemies and bless those who curse you. Again, you'll be moved not to do this because there's anything saintly about you, but because of that life-changing example of the forgiveness set by Christ. So where does forgiveness come from and why does it matter? It comes first from God. That's our healing. That's our hope. And it matters because this is the only way that we can extend forgiveness to others, even to ourselves. As a Jesus follower, we can daily live and express the forgiveness we have received, but the choice is ours. You can say, well, I'll not forgive them even though God has forgiven me. You can do that. But you know what? This is going to lead to torment for both you and possibly the other person. And there's a warning in this story. In this story, Jesus warns that if you do not extend forgiveness, torment awaits you. And if you remain unchanged by God's grace, well, I don't want to end up there. I don't want to be that person. Or you can make a choice and say, I will forgive because he's forgiven me. You will celebrate your freedom and you will want to give that freedom to others because what else can you do but to celebrate what the king has done for you? 
Now, y'all remember me telling you about the mean man that lives in me? I personally call him my inner redneck. The Holy Spirit has done wonderful things to help me. Over time, my inner redneck has been squashed by the love of God. As I continue to daily live in the embrace of God's love and forgiveness, that inner redneck has continued to have less and less a hold of my life. Now, I am not foolish enough to believe he may still not be lurking in the darkness. But because I know he's there, I depend on God to help me. I will not be fooled into thinking I've totally conquered the ugly. I have to die daily to those urges and impulses to exact revenge. See, I want to make progress. I hope over time I become more and more like God and less and less like that inner redneck that wants to be ugly and vindictive. I resolve and have made the decision to do the following. In Ephesians 4.32 it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Has forgiven you. Today we all have a choice to determine our course. You have the opportunity to receive the full debt release, to be completely forgiven. I have seen where people, when they pay off their house, they burn that financial note in celebration of being debt-free. That spiritual note that's been hanging over your head, the weight of all that guilt, the pain of unforgiveness, are you ready to burn that note? Jesus has paid that debt in full. Do you wish to receive that? He's already done it. He's already paid it. Will you accept it? I am an I and others are here. We have an elder in the back room if you choose to go. We are excited to talk to you about this gift that comes from God. And what about you who already call yourself a Jesus follower? And are you tired of that grudge? Are you ready to be reconciled? Embrace the forgiveness that God has given you and then give it away. Freely you have received. Freely give. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you help us to embrace the forgiveness that you've already made for us. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you will come and that you will fill our hearts with such joy of being debt-free that, Lord, we want to give that freedom away, that forgiveness away, that grace away. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.